You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, hi, Ryan. How are you? Hi, Michael. I'm okay. How are you? It's always good seeing your face. It's nice to see your face as well. I hope everyone's having a wonderful week, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for continuing to listen. If you're just here for Emil Hirsch, I hope you stick around and say, hey, you know what? This ain't half shit. And uh, you want to stick around a little longer because that would make me really feel happy and good about myself and increase self-esteem and <laughs> half shit. I'm, that's still rattling around in my brain. I'm you trying like to, half shit? I don't I'm trying to make sense of it. Uh, we'll get into everything after the show. We'll get pretty much right into Emil Hirsch now. Uh, just letting you know, uh, I have a show this coming Saturday, July 31st at 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. Two shows. Uh, go to stageit.com and type in Sunspin. That's my band. Uh, you can also go to sunspin.com and get tickets. Please come uh, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. We play some covers, play some originals, our CDs out. We've got merch, tons of shit. Uh, if you're liking the show, I'd love for you to follow us. The handles are at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at Inside of You Pod on the Twitter. Uh, you could subscribe to us on YouTube. You can watch these videos or you can listen to them on Apple, Stitcher, and other ways. But please, uh, please subscribe, write a review, really helps the show, the little show that could. And uh, we appreciate that. And uh, join the lovely Patreon. Patreon helps the podcast in more ways than one. So thanks for uh, being a part of Patreon. And I love all my patrons. And right now, this guy was pretty damn interesting. Uh, yeah. I, you know, he's just, he's had a really cool career. I mean, into the wild and uh, working with Tarantino and working with a lot of big actors. I mean. He's done it. Uh, Lords of Dogtown. Yeah. I mean, he's done some pretty diverse roles. Yeah. I would say. Uh, this is a really this is a really good conversation, and I was excited to uh, hang out with him for an hour. So let's get inside of Emil Hirsch. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. I took my friend to play pickleball uh, the other day. She didn't have that much experience, and she dived for the ball. Oh, like, boy. Like, dive. On concrete. And, no, no, she hit the chain link fence. But, like, like Superman, like, horizontal, like, hit it, but then bounced off the fence and slammed onto the concrete and broke her hand. While you were playing with her. Yeah, and like I would, I wasn't playing with her. She was playing my friend Kenny, and then I look over and like everyone stops what they're doing and they starts walking towards her, and she had broken this bone right here, which is your index finger, but in the hand part. And uh, yeah, so it was like hours in the ER. It was crazy. I don't want to tell anybody I broke my hand playing pickleball. I, I don't know. Think that, I for know. us, it'd be it's a little. And, but is that what I'm seeing? Like, I went on your Instagram and I saw it. it was like you're you're joining the first pro am celebrity tournament in November. Is that what that is for pickleball? Yeah, which is funny because I go over to Randall's house to just play a game, and he's like, films me and just says that. <laughs> I didn't even like. I didn't even. I never even heard of it before that. Now, Randall was Randall the director of uh, Midnight in the Switchgrass. Yeah, Randall's the director of Midnight in the Switchgrass, <laughs> who I've known for, you know, he produced Lone Survivor, and then he produced uh, another film I did, and so I'd, I'd known him for a while. Wow. He's a character, though. He loves playing pickleball. He, like, he's super competitive about it. Like, he hires pros to, like, come to his house and train him and, like, like be brutal on him and, like, brutal drills. Like, I'll come over and he's, like, thinking with some pro, like, ah, ah, ah. 
Wait, 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 wait. Your friend Randall, who directed Midnight in the Switchgrass, he he grunts after he hits. He's one of those guys that when you watch tennis and you see him go, huh, huh. He grunts on every serve. Oh, it's my God. It's not just like a, mm, it's like a, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like the serve is like some sort of release every time it's like, I always find that so funny. I mean, I played tennis my whole life and I would suck in grunts. I'm not grunting. I'm not making any noises. Maybe I would have been a better tennis player if I would have grunted more. I don't know. Would you ever tell guys, were you like, could you be a little quiet? Like, could you try to not moan as much on the court? Yeah, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, it's really like, it's kind of like affecting my play. Yeah, it's loud and it's distracting. So stop it. (laughs) All right, dude, look, man, you've been in everything. I mean, I look at this list of movies and I'm I'm incredibly jealous. I'm like, Into the Wild, Girl Next Door, Lords of Dogtown, Lone Survivor, The Comeback Trail, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Milk, Killer Joe. It's like you've done all these movies. I think if I did one of these movies, I'd be freaking thrilled. I think my parents would be very happy that I did something, that I accomplished something. And now Midnight in the Switchgrass. So you, you play this detective and I saw the trailer for it and I want to watch it because this looks intense as shit. It's got Megan Fox and uh, Robert De Niro. Well, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Well, I don't, I, he looked like Robert De Niro. They're old dudes, <laughs> you know. What was it? What was it like on that film? And what, what's the movie about? So it's it's like a serial killer kind of movie where I play the the kind of the good uh, the good guy cop, you know, just an honest dude, a real religious guy. He depends on his wife to give him that real uh, spiritual sustenance from the brutal job, and he's trying to crack cases that are just really hard to crack. And so it's sort of a film of, uh, you know, like kind of tracking the killer, tracking the cops, trying to get the killer. They sort of converge at a certain point. And I know um, how much research you do in, on, on roles and stuff. Did you, did you do a lot of research on, I mean, have you already done research on other? Well, I feel like because I did so much on lone survivor to play a Navy SEAL in a certain way, a lot of the law enforcement roles I've done afterwards, I definitely feel like I pulled from a lot of that research I did just because I did a, a lot on that one. And so there's something about that that you kind of don't forget a lot of it. Yeah. Just the general vibe. It's interesting. I was talking about this the other day where because of the way like Netflix and all these these true crime documentaries work, you know, like people have done uh, a lot of research and they don't even realize it. Like we've watched most average viewers, at least if you watch what's in the zeitgeist, there's so many of these true crime things, you know, that you're a bit more exposed. You know, you've, you've heard a lot of homicide detectives talk in interviews more than you think. Yeah. I love seeing Lucas Haas cause he, he's a great guy and I know you're a good friend yeah. of his. I, I know him for years as well. And it's good to see him. He's such a good actor and you don't see him enough. You just don't for some reason. And I wish you would. I know he does a lot of indies and things like that, but seeing him in a role like this, I'm just like, just that dirty kind of dark role. And I don't know where it goes. I know they're trying to, you know, you see the trail and you're thinking one thing and I know it's going to be something else. But yeah. it's exciting to see that. I'm sure it's exciting to you as a friend of his. Yeah, I mean, I've been friends with Lucas forever. Uh, we worked together on Alpha Dog, uh, you know, 16, 17 years, 17 years ago. And I was a big fan of Lucas as just a kid. Oh, I mean, yeah. I remember I used to rent his movies at the video store when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, Lady in White, Witness, and all these all these movies. He did. I mean, he was like a, it's like a big deal. Even just as oh, a yeah. kid. Um, 
So to get to work with him and be friends with him uh, after all these years was pretty cool. And I felt like his role was so, he was, it's so interesting because he has such like a baby face and this like kind of innocence to him and seeing that kind of used for the darkness of the part, I thought was a, was a just like, aside from being extremely talented and great in the movie, it's also just really smart casting too. You know what I mean? That's a big, you know, it's so important that parts are well cast. And I felt like that was a surprising surprisingly good choice for that particular part for him, you know? Yeah. You know, I've seen a lot of interviews with you and uh, all the people that you've worked with. And I, and I, what comes into my mind is do you ever get starstruck? I see you like there's a shot on the comeback trail with like De Niro behind the camera, giving you the off line, you know, off camera lines to you. <laughs> and I'm thinking that's gotta be the most surreal thing. I know you're probably used to it. Well, do you get used to it? And do you ever feel like, God, I sucked in front of one of the greats. I'm sucking. I'm sucking. I, I can't uh, get it. I'm getting nervous. I don't, I don't really, I don't think I get that used to it. I remember like my first day on comeback trail with De Niro, I was already really prepared because it was a scene with just lots of lines, just rattling them off nonstop. But I was still so nervous. And then he, and then we started the scene and he was just like, came guns blazing, like just on every word on point, like just so good. I was like, oh my God, like, and I remember I like, I dropped a cue and he was like, oh, then you say that. And I was just like, oh my oh. God, like I forgot a line with De Niro, like, like literally like the shame. And I remember I was like, oh my God, like, just like, like, I was like, dude, I'm like 36. Like this dude's older than me. Like, and I went, I remember I went back to my trailer and I learned my lines like so well. Cause I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to let him like, like remind me of my cue ever again. So he just looked at you and goes, yeah, you missed the, the line about he goes, that. And then you say that in there. And I was like, Oh my, Oh my God. Like it was such like a, I don't know. I mean, he's so good. It's crazy. He's, he's really good. Well, I read, and, yeah, um, yeah, go ahead. And even with, even with like Tarantino, I was like, I don't think I've ever been more nervous around anybody than around Quentin. What's his personality like? I mean, is it like you see in the daily, hey, oh, this, we're going to do this, yeah, this is going to be great. He's basically Quentin. I mean, he's always Quentin. But I was just, I was such like a following, devoted fan of his forever that I'm just, I was just like, it was like having like a cult leader around or something. I was just like, ah, ah, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I grew up watching his movies so much that you know, it's like, I just can't, I, I tried to treat him like regular, or just be calm around, but I just, I couldn't, you couldn't, it. you were always Other people I think could, but I just, I couldn't do it. What kind of direction did he give you? I mean, do you remember a specific direction or like the way he was acting that, that was, it was, it was he very helpful? Did he know exactly what he wanted? Yeah. I mean, I remember early on we did a read through and I was kind of playing Jay Sebring more as like what I would see in little video clips of him where he's sort of like a kind of a calm, kind of like laconic dour guy. And I sort of, so I sort of did that in the read through uh, where it was like Brad and Leo and Burt Reynolds at the time. And it was like all these crazy, awesome Margot and Dakota Fanning. Um, and he called me afterwards and he was like, you know, he basically gently 
told me that I was on the wrong path. So he basically was like, I'm this this isn't a biopic. He's like, you can have fun with the lines. This is this is like this is Tarantino dialogue. You can, you can, I'm giving you permission to be more flamboyant. He was like, Jay isn't gay. He's not gay, but he's a flamboyant guy. He's like, you can bring that side of yourself. Um, he's like, I'm giving you permission to have fun, to enjoy it, to be more flamboyant. And as soon as he told me that, he really kind of, I was like, I went back and I read the scenes the way that I had played them in the read through. And I was like, oh my God, like, what did I do? Because I, I totally, as soon as he told me that, I completely understood what he wanted and what he meant. And, it, and every line made sense that way. Wow. But I was trying to like kind of fit a square peg into a round hole because I was taking these preconceived notions of what I thought Jay Sebring was exactly like based off some video interview. And, you know, sometimes in order to kind of get to the truth of a scene, the way it's written, you need to like not adhere perfectly to your preconceived notions of what it should be. Yeah. Well, a lot of times you hear these horror stories and it's, it's happened. It hasn't happened to me, but it's happened to some friends who are famous that they'll do a table read and they just, for some reason, the producer and the director is like, no, this guy's fucking completely off. And they just fire him. I mean, yeah. who, I mean, you know, it was nice enough for him to call you and be like, no, you can do this. I just know what you're doing. You're playing it more like a biopic. You need to play it like have fun. Uh, man, I remember when I first got that call, I I was like, oh, my gosh. My, I like literally was driving and I like pulled the car oh, over. It was like, <laughs> like waiting for the bomb to drop. And I was just like, <laughs> okay, okay. It was pretty funny. Though. Have you ever been but fired yeah, no, by a job? I, I, he's definitely the one that I would, I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't treat him like a normal dude. I was just too starstruck. Have you ever been fired off a job? No. Wow. I have. Not while I was shooting. I think I've lost parts that they had like given me and then I like, they took them away. That's happened for sure though. Oh God. You said in an interview that sometimes you feel like you've forgotten it all when you get on set. Like you question everything and then it takes you like a day or two. How does that work? You After all these movies, you just feel like sometimes you go back on set and you're like, do I know how to do this? Explain that. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like an irrational fear or something that basically before almost every single job I do, if there's like more than a week between the job or something, there's a point where I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't, it's, and I, and it's like, there's a part of me, I'm like, well, you've been through this before and you do know how to do this and you'll get on set and you'll do it. And that's like your thing. And, but like the belief that I can't do it is, is like real. I mean, it's like there. Do you feel you know? nerves? Is it nerves? Do you feel these like intense, like anxiety or what is that? Super intense anxiety. And also, like, more than just a feeling, like, the actual, like, the thinking of, like, I don't think I can do it. Like, I don't, I don't really think I'm up to this. It's a weird thing. And you know and how so crazy it is, right? You know how, you, you're logically, you're a smart guy, so you're thinking, I've done this. I've killed it. I know what I'm doing, so why am I feeling like this? I know. It's the weirdest thing. I don't know. I've, I, I've talked to a couple actors that kind of, they're like, yeah, you have that too. You I, know, it's I, kind of a weird thing. I don't know. It's probably just sort of nerves or just sitting around with too much to to think about. Um, I don't know though. I, I almost wonder if like when you stop 
feel, if I were to stop feeling that way, I almost wonder if like something would get stale or if I wouldn't be as excited or, you know, cause you only get that way if you care, like if you don't care at all, you're not going to be like, I don't know if I can do this. You're going to be like, I don't care if I can do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's a different yeah. thing. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got Rocket Money. <laughs> I, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. And I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com. 
betterhelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside. I mean, when, when you're doing Lone Survivor, this story always baffles me. I've never heard a story like this where this guy, actor, you, goes to a party, you see P- Peter Berg, you know Peter Berg, and you know you want to get Lone Survivor. This story, I think, is fascinating. Yeah, what are, Yeah, tell us this story because I don't think a lot of people have heard this. So I had heard Pete was making Lone Survivor, and I would occasionally see him in the gym in Venice Beach, um, because we both lived, he lived in like Westwood or Santa Monica, but he liked to work out at Gold's gym and I would see him in there. So he mentioned that he was making Lone Survivor. And and so I saw him at like, I don't know, some sort of party and he was with a friend and I went up to him and I was like, what's up with Lone Survivor, man? And, and he was like, you know how there's like NFL movie and like, you know, it's like, you can't play like a linebacker. And it was like, I mean, it was like a really like bow down nerd. You know what I mean? I was like, I was like, oh, okay, okay. And I just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I had read the book and I really was moved by the book. So I wrote Pete um, a letter being like, you know, how I felt about the project, what, you know, how I wanted to be a part of it. And my agent was like, I don't know. He's, he, he, he just doesn't see you for this. And I was like, just, just come on. And I wrote, I think I wrote him a second letter. Wow. And at one point he wrote back to me, like show up at gold's early tomorrow. And I was like, what time? And he didn't write back. And I was like, oh, man, this is one of those like psychological psychops experiments or something. So I woke up at 4 a.m. because Gold's Gym opened at like 6 or 5.30. And I was like waiting at the gym as it opened. And this guy, T.R. Goodman, who was the like coach trainer guy, shows up and is like, oh, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, well, Pete told me to show up here early. He's like, started laughing. He's like, come back in like two hours. So I came back. And, uh, were you pumping by the way, were you pumping up or you just waiting for him? Like, Holy shit. I want, what, what the hell is this about? I was just like ready to go, you know? And, and basically they put me through this really hard workout that day. Gold's gym. Um, I want to separate a really hard workout for an actor from like Navy seal training. It's really not comparable in any way (laughs) at all. But for me, it was like probably the hardest I'd ever had to work out. And so they didn't give me the part. Pete just said, you have to show up here every day for like the next few months. I'm not giving you the role because I genuinely don't know if you can do it. And I'm not going to disrespect the SEALs and this guy's family by giving an actor that's like a punk if he can't do it. Because I was a little bit, you know, I wasn't really in great shape. Um. And so it was every day from six to usually six a.m. to like eleven. Oh God! Or eleven thirty, I would finish, and it would be usually like ninety minutes of weightlifting, and then it would be two back-to-back hours of cardio. So I would either do like an hour on the bike, and then an hour jog, or like an hour on the ergometer, which is the arm machine. An hour of that is insane, by the way. Did he have somebody like watching you and doing these workouts with you, or did he leave and just? assume you were doing this 
when I would do the weights, I was training with the, with the workout crew. So it would, the guys that I was training with and a couple of girls, most of the guys were like major league baseball players or hockey players that were off season that were like trying to stay in top level shape. It was, it was really like a performance weight training camp. It's called pro camp for a reason in, in Venice. And, uh, I definitely got in the best shape of my life. And in a certain, in certain points, it was really hard because it was every day for so many hours, just on my body. And I was like, man, this is intense. And, and they, even for what pro camp was, they made sure that what I was doing was always harder than what everybody else was doing. So we would be doing like, okay, let's say we did 90 minutes of weights. They would be like, okay, you have to do jumping jacks between your weight sets. So while everyone else is waiting at the machine to do it, you have to do the jumping jacks or like pop squats or like side step. Mm. you know, it, it was stuff like that. It would constantly be like ratching it up. And, uh, and I just sort of just was super focused and determined and I really wanted to be there and I wanted to be in the film and I got into really good shape and, uh, it was funny. I didn't know this at the time, but apparently TR told Peter Berg after the fact that I had trained harder than anyone he had ever had other than Chris Chelios, who was an NHL, NHL Stanley Cup champion, Hall of Famer, Chicago Blackhawks. I know Chelly, fucking best. Yeah, apparently TR, who's like the man, he told Pete that. He never told me that, but he told Pete that. Did you call your agents and say, so I don't have this role, but I have to work out for the next couple of months to find out if I do so you can't really work out a deal because there's no deal to be had until Pete gives the word? When would yeah, I mean, it was kind of nerve-wracking in that way because if I would if I would like lag on any of the workouts or if I was doing, um, you know, like an interval, like long intervals or circuits, we did a lot of circuits, if I would fall behind, they would be like, oh, we're going to tell Pete that he's not going to hire you. <laughs> no, they did it, not. They said yeah, that. No, and they were it serious? Was really like hardcore like that. You know, and he's like, Pete has told me to give an honest assessment. And if you, if you fail at this, I will not, like, you are not going to do this. I mean, were you pissed? Were you like, did you kind of laugh it off? Or were you like, fuck? Oh, I mean, I was frustrated. I mean, I remember one day I was on the leg press and they just kept stacking more 45s on the leg press to where like I genuinely couldn't do it. Like it was like, it was crazy. And at one point I was like, fuck you motherfucker. Like I stood up and like chewed these guys out and like walked off. And all the like hockey guys were like, oh my gosh, like this is so but like I think that they were trying to like break you to like yeah. I mean I think that that's so he's like all right. Now that we've got this anger, let's channel it. You know what I mean? It was like all this sensei, uh, you know, like karate kid kind of stuff with with TR. And when was the but, moment I mean, that he called you, that he said, you got it? And how had that happen? Do you remember that? It might have almost been like a text message, like <laughs> you're in or something like that. You know, it was like, and I was, it was funny because the reason why I don't remember that moment was because after like three months of that, I was in such good shape that like, I knew there was no way I wasn't going to get it. Right. Like I was actually confident at that part in the beginning. I wasn't confident because I wasn't in shape at all. I was really like, Oh, I don't know. 
But by the end, I was like, man, I can run like seven miles like fast, you know, and do right. all the, you know. And you had I Navy SEALs like, like breathing down your neck on set and things like that. That's what I hear. Like you were, it was just very intense shooting. Was it always intense? Yeah, it was always pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, um, the SEALs were, they really wanted their story to be told in the right way. And Marcus Luttrell had a big responsibility to, to get that story right for all the families. So he took that seriously. Wow. How much weight did you lose playing Christopher McCandless? How much weight? Did, how much did you weigh? Um, so, for End of the Wilds, I remember I was one fifty six when I got the part because I hadn't gotten on a scale in ages, and I remember I got on the scale and I was like, "Dad, like my scale's broken. I need. Will you get me a new one?" And he's like, "Oh, I'll pick you up one at Walmart." And then he like brought me a new scale and I got on it. I was like, "This scale's." broken too man and i think my dad was like maybe the scale's not broken and i was like oh it's oh oh um so i remember sean sean wanted me to get pretty lean because the real chris was he was pretty lean even before he had that big weight loss so uh i lost probably went down to like 133 wow. from 156 just to get into like the shape for the movie for the normal parts. And then we shot like half the movie and I was doing a lot of like running every day and eating healthy and, you know, spin. And, uh, and then there was like a two week shutdown in the middle of the shoot. And I had gone down probably to like one twenty four, and then I had two weeks. So I, was doing like two spin classes a day and like eating like the bare minimum. And at one point, dude, two spin classes a day on no food is so hard. Like, I don't know if you've ever done that. Probably haven't, but no. it's, it's like psychologically, like it is so like, it's like mid, you're just like, Oh, oh like it's, it like hurts. It doesn't physically hurt, but like it psychically hurts. And I remember I would like sit up, in those like two or three weeks and like my vision would go totally orange for like 15 seconds. I literally blind. And I remember I texted my doctor. I was like, Hey doc, I'm going blind when I'm sitting up like every time. And he was like, Oh, you need to just take some salt. Cause that's like low blood pressure. So I did that. And then that kind of went away. So wow. then I went down to like 115 pounds. And we went to <laughs> Alaska. Yeah. And then I was there and we shot, the good news was, is we shot most of those scenes in like six day period. So I was like crazy skinny, but like on like the third or fourth day, like I could like feel like my heart, like palpitating. Like I could actually feel it like, boom, boom. And I was like, oh shit. So I told him, I was like, we got to finish these scenes. Cause I can like feel, I don't have much time to like keep shooting this. This is like probably not safe. That is insane. I, I mean, you know, I watch these shows. You ever watch like Alone? The shows Alone where people I've are... heard of it. It's funny. My friend, one of my friends from childhood, his brother is like on Alone right now. Really? Yeah. Well, they drop them off and it's real. I mean, they're alone and whoever lasts the longest is the winner. And it's, it's crazy the shit that they do. But they have doctors that come in every, I don't know when it is, every week to just check on them, check their vitals. Now, someone who is 159 or whatever you were in the beginning to drop down to 115, were they always monitoring you? 
Were they always making sure, hey, he's okay? I mean, because that's that's sounds pretty dangerous. I had a really talented doctor um, that the insurance company had me work with, and he was really experienced, and he had, was one of the main doctors on Biggest Loser. So I was kind of consulting with him, but then at a certain point, I did, I you know, the last few pounds, I think that I wasn't like approved to lose. You know right. what I mean? But I'm also, you know, I'm like five, six and a half, five, seven. I mean, I would actually, I'd still say that like, I've seen way more. Extra- I mean, I don't look at that as like a weight loss kind of, I mean, it's a weight loss role, but I don't look at it like that. I look at like what Jared Leto did in Dallas Buyers Club or what Bale did in The Machinist or even what Matt Damon did in Courage Under Fire. I actually think those dudes lost like more weight. You know, I think it feels like I lost a lot, lot more weight because of the environment in the, in the, within the story too, and the characters starving and all that. So it like, it really seems like it, but if you actually were to compare my like height and body mass and everything to some of those other ones, like, I think there's actors that have lost more for sure. For sure. Wow. Uh, you know, it says Christopher McCandless wanted to explore the unexplored and discover life without responsibility, possessions, people, money. But in doing so, he went to his death from Into the Wild. Um, I mean, do you ever consider, because I, I know I do, I, it probably crosses everyone's mind. I mean, because you know how Hollywood can be and how crazy it could be. And uh, was there an essence of you in when you played the role where you felt like there is something that makes you want to get away sometimes, that makes you want to just disconnect from everything? Maybe not in an, an extreme level, but something yeah. to just like break away and just like not have to deal with all the bullshit and just kind of live your life and, and see what it's really about. There's definitely an appeal that I think struck a chord with me and so many other people to the story. The idea, the call of the wild or the beckoning of the open road that we all have, the ability to sort of leave the past behind and move forward and have a new fresh start. Um, and a new kind of a new horizon at every day. I mean, I know in one of the letters, McCandless wrote the old man, Ron, where he's saying like, you know, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. And there really is something to that, you know, what those new experiences are or the, the way that you have them kind of varies, but there's, you know, part of what keeps you alive is, 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 is that kind of adventure, whatever those adventures are. Um, and I really related in a great way, especially at that age, you know, I, I just turned 21 when we shot that movie. So I was like, so just, it was like just a big adventure to me. Um, you know, I think part of appreciating that story, uh, is also sort of like appreciating some of the wisdom that McCandless got, but like hard earned wisdom. You know, and that like, I, I sound like the the older guy now saying that, but um, you know, like, was it cool that he didn't contact his parents? No, and I would almost argue that like he would have thought that by the end, you know, and and happiness is real when shared, you know, like the fact that he wrote that, that's like a reckoning wow. with what he's saying. That's that's a slight rebuttal to a lot of what he was doing. So that isn't, um, that's not like a, Oh, you just got to go into the wild and live there alone. That's, that's, that's a different meaning, you know, uh, 
he didn't write like happiness is so great because I'm alone right now. You know, right. it's, it's he realized so how you're much saying yeah. happiness is only real when shared and you're alone. Like clearly you're, you know, not exa- doing exactly what you think you should be doing in that, in that way, in that moment. So I, I feel like that story and the character, you know, ideally you would get a appreciation for adventure and a love of nature and the idea of the core of man spirit comes from new experiences, but you can also take like the lessons that he learned without having to pay that kind of high price. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, having a guide, uh, that embraces company and, and, uh, socialness and, and, um, you know, doesn't just give you that sense of adventure with like a complete rejection of, uh, like, sharing of happiness with others and it took him a lot to get to that point because he had had such an unhappy childhood in a lot of ways you know he had he had a really hard time with his parents what's up everyone it's reality steve your number one source for all things bachelor nation and reality tv every day i'm giving you the behind the scenes juice and your info on all your bachelor nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars my name has been synonymous with spoilers but i'm so much more than that give me a listen the reality steve podcast part of the believe network just search b-l-e-a-v on youtube or wherever you listen Inside of You is brought to you in no small part thanks to our lovely supporters over on Patreon. Folks, if you enjoy the podcast, you love talking about episodes, you want to stay involved in the Inside of You community, I highly suggest that you check it out. Check out Patreon. Uh, It's quickly turned into one of the coolest things I've been a part of over the last year, and that's for sure. Patreon.com slash Inside of You is where you go. If you want to get early access to episode content, check out the Patreon. If you want to interact with other fans of the show, check out the Patreon. If you want to get exclusive access to have your questions asked during the show, check out the Patreon. Heck, if you just love what we do and uh, you like Ryan (laughs) and you want to just keep this train a rolling, check out the Patreon. It really helps the podcast more than you could possibly know. It doesn't take much to get involved. And I'm there all the time chatting with folks and putting together live hangouts. I literally would not be able to do this without you guys. So thank you again and again. To get more involved in the community today, head over to patreon.com slash inside of you. That's patreon.com slash inside of you. See you there soon. How was your childhood? Was it pretty good? I mean, were your parents really supportive and always, you know, I was, you know, I was very lucky that I had super supportive, loving parents. Um, you know, I realize now more than ever as being a parent myself, how important that is. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I had, parents that kind of put the attention that they did into me your mom was a visual artist and pop-up books designer yeah do you know how much that would have helped my dumb ass <laughs> growing up in school <laughs> well you know she's just my mom is just an artist she's just always drawing or painting or making something i mean she's just she's always been like that i think uh she's very industrious you know she never stops doing that um I definitely get some of that from her in the way that I am. I'm always, I'm, I try to always be doing something creative in some way or, or doing something. It doesn't have to be creative. Either. Can you be alone? Can you go on excursions for a week at a time alone with no one? And just, can you do that? Do you like doing that? No, 
I can't do that. You, you don't like being alone. I like being alone sometimes, but that was one of the big things on into the wild um, that I had to do is I had to learn, like I had to like go on hikes by myself Oof. for long periods of time and like, just learn how to deal with that. You know what I mean? Cause it was so foreign to me. I'm, I'm a pretty social creature. Yeah. I, I, I I'm a creature. I'm a social creature. Um, I got to talk about this cause you know, I'm a horror movie fanatic. If you looked in here, you'd see all these horror movie posters. I just love horror, but I know you work with William Freakin and you know, I mean, The Exorcist, and I mean, he's done a, a ton of other shit, amazing shit. But, di- I mean, did you, when you worked with him, first of all, was he a dick or was he really cool and open? It just seems like he'd be so intense. I remember the first time I met Billy, I, like, drove up to his cool mansion in the hills. It's like this gothic mansion, and I go in, and it's literally, like, Satan's office. Like, a massive office filled with books, but it's like darkly lit with all this dark Gothic art on the walls. And he like was sitting, like it felt like by a fireplace and like a super high backed chair. Like you're meeting Dracula in very controlled tones. And like, (laughs) I mean, I was like, Whoa, this is so crazy. I mean, I definitely had vibes of like this guy directed the exorcist. And then he said something that was kind of like spooky and supernatural. And I was like, Oh shit. Like this guy's intense. Did you ever ask him any questions about the exorcist? Like any oh, insights about the exorcist all the time. And I he mean, didn't he care. Said, he loved talking about it. Really? I mean, it was like, it clearly had such an, you know, I think that movie, it's just like, imagine making a movie that affected the world that much. I mean, it was at the time, it was the biggest box office movie of all time. Yeah. And it was considered like one of the most disturbing movies ever. I mean, it was like, he was saying that there was like, they showed it everywhere in the world. He said something about, there was something like in like South America, like showing like, like uh, natives to those areas that had like come down from the mountains that had never even seen movies before. Like they didn't even know what a movie was and they were just watching the movie and like, they didn't even know how to pay for the movie. He said they were throwing change at the screen. I mean, like just wild, like wild stuff. And I feel like Billy is like, he really like, it almost makes it scarier. Cause when he talks about it, he's like, he's a kind of, he really believes a lot of it, you know? Well, it's, it's based, like the exorcist is based on a real book. I mean, it was based on a, yeah, on a happened like to a Billy's boy, like I a think. Believer. Like he, he like, it's almost scarier too when he talks about it. Cause you're like, Oh wow. He was like, he's not like some skeptic. He's like, and it's all real. You know what I mean? It's like, oh. Was, it, was there any, like, one story that you asked him about that is interesting that he really didn't talk about a lot or the public doesn't know just about The Exorcist or anything that he shot? Because I'm sure you you pegged him for something. It's like, well, you're dealing with a young girl here who is X amount of years old and playing this role and doing I mean, what, what did you talk he to him? He did say one thing. He said that if he, if, he were, if he were to go back that he might have not. He didn't say he wouldn't. He said he might have not made that film with uh with that actress he's like you know it's like a crazy role and a young actress and he said he might have not done that you know i thought that was interesting so he might have regrets well you know i mean i think it was probably a pretty i mean i'm sure it was a tough shoot and then just kind of being associated with that role i don't know but i honestly i don't know though because he didn't say he wouldn't either he said he might have not 
right right you know your your band i love that you play music i play music i have an album out i, li- I listen to i, li- I listen to oh, hysterical yeah. kindness hysterical kindness simple things yeah yeah and i think people usually go oh another actor with a band and then you listen to it and you're like this i really really enjoyed and Thanks. you're the lead singer right yeah so hysterical kindness i did based off this movie all nighter where i play a bluegrass singer and they gave me these two guys that knew the producers that were real musicians. So when we were making the movie, I was like, well, let's, let's like, we recorded a Bob Singer cover song of Night Moves. Oh. And it sounded really cool. So we were like, my friend, I played it for, he was like, why don't you guys just write some originals and see what comes of that? So I started writing a bunch of songs with these guys and we just started recording them like in their closet, literally. And, uh, and we made this whole album. It's like 13 tracks. So then fast forward a couple of years later, I want to make more music. And they just, the guys, they're doing other stuff. They're making money in other ways. All that. They don't have the time. So I met this French music producer named Mathieu Caratier, who was kind of a mutual friend of mine. My buddy Matt Smiley is his girlfriend, Justine Waksberger. Like they were friends for a while. And Mathieu had been the, uh, the editor of premier magazine France for a while. So he kind of had like a film base, but he wanted, he, he had done DJ work and he wanted to be a music producer. So we ended up making like one song together and I liked the way it sounded. So we kind of kept going. And then we, we, we made one song that was like, Oh, this is kind of a vibe. And we ended up in the last two years, we put out two albums and um, you know, we, kind of just it's a it's a different vibe than hysterical kindness which is more bluegrass uh the stuff i make with the frenchman is more um like an 80s kind of electronic pop kind of love like, it love that the, stuff the, the Mode kind of vibe. i'm in and i just we called it her we called the project hirsch which i kind of had to be talked into it but they were like just got it hirsch and i was like all right can i play one song you care no not at all there's this one song I, she calls you oh yeah all right, so here it is. This is She Calls You, Hysterical Kindness. She calls you and you answer Just a hand her your insides She hangs up and you stay there Just to pray where you see light And it might be just a mix so you could fix I mean, dude, I love, I love that song. I love it. So what, what's next? So you just released something in, in March. Yeah, this uh, the second Hirsch album, Denialism, uh, we put out. We got a pretty cool write-up in American Songwriter. That was like the first kind of piece of anything that was written about it, which is pretty cool. Will you play out anywhere eventually? I would love to. I think it'd be cool. I mean, I'd probably need to take like six months of voice lessons so that I'm not doing 50 takes in a booth and auto-tuning and melodying my voice you know <laughs> i might have a nice tone to my voice but i have no like craft in terms of singing well i love the voice it's unique and it just it just sounds cool it just sounds it sounds like it's got the indie cool feel that could easily pop out to a uh, mainstream i don't know I, I i dug i truly dug it or i wouldn't have played it or even brought it up i would have been like Fuck thank this. you michael yes my friend uh last, this is it this is called shit talking with emily her emily with emile hirsch have you ever heard that? Has anyone ever called you Emily? Or All my e- life. Or Emile? That's like practically my nickname. Do you just hate it? Or are you just In used elementary to elementary school? No, not at all. Oatmeal. A man which is a meal. Or a meal for his mama. 
this kid Sinclair in fifth grade was like, he's like literally like dribbling a basketball and he goes, a meal for his mama. <laughs> that was, I was it. like, you're going places, kid. You're going places. All right, this is called Shit Talking with Emil Hirsch. This is rapid fire. This is my, these are my patrons. So you just rapid fire answer them. Okay. Raj, during the pandemic, what's the longest stretch of time you went wearing the same clothes? Three days. Good answer. Kelly asks, what's your favorite film in terms of the story itself? Probably um, On the Waterfront. Really? That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm not saying it's not. Uh, Steph A., uh, working on Alpha Dog, what was it like? Uh, it was such an intense film. I have to imagine it was not easy to, uh, to make. Rest in peace, Anton. It was a lot of fun. Uh, great young cast. Uh, everyone was friendly and had a good time. And Nick Cassavetes was rocking. And yeah, we had it. I mean, we had a lot of fun. Little Lisa, what values are most important to you? I think family is really important and, uh, you know, perseverance. Maya P., what's the most challenging character you've portrayed and why? I think overall, um, Chris McCandless and Into the Wild because it had so many different types of challenges, physical and mental. And that, and I was, you know, still kind of learning and growing as an actor when I did it. So it was, it was like, there was a lot to kind of adapt to as I went. And Ray H., which is part of the question, how much research did you do on Chris McCandless before starting Into the Wild? Definitely as much as I could do. I talked to a lot of his friends and family and parents and sister and um, read about him and watched everything I could and uh, just tried to absorb as much as I, I could that would that would uh, hopefully come through in some way. Awesome. Midnight in the Switchgrass. Is, is it out now? It comes out on uh, the 23rd. Freaking watch this, Midnight in the Switchgrass. Watch the trailer. You'll want to watch it. It's intense as shit. Uh, Emil Hirsch, this has been awesome, man. I feel like I know you already, and uh, I love Thank talking you, to you. Yeah, this has I been a blast. A Thank you for having me on. All right, buddy. I hope to see you soon. We'll play some pickleball. Yeah, watch your hands, though, okay? I will. I'll wear a glove. Bye-bye. <laughs> see you, buddy. <laughs> Another uh, fun episode. I hope you liked Emil Hirsch. Ryan, did you enjoy this one? Was it a fun edit? I did. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's an interesting guy. Like, you know, it's it's funny when you see these people that you've known about for a long time and then just sort of see them sit down and be people for an hour. Yeah, it's just kind of open up and you don't know how they're going to be. Are they going to be like a character? Are they going to be like this? Yeah. And he's a he's pretty much a dude. Yeah. He just comes across as a as a, as a nice guy. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed him being on the podcast. Um letting you know that uh Patreon if you want to join the lovely Patreon to help support the podcast in other ways, go to patreon p a t r e o n.com/inside of you. There's different tiers. You get merch from me and notes from me, and there's a bunch of stuff. Go to patreon.com slash inside of you. Also, my band is playing this weekend, Sunspin. You can go to sunspin.com for tickets, merch, Zooms, booking the band, anything you want. And uh, inside of you, uh, the podcast, you could go to the Inside of You online store and get, uh, I mean, anything from Inside of You mugs and T-shirts and uh, to uh, Lex Luthor pictures and uh, Funko Pops and Smallville lunchboxes, a bunch of great stuff on there. So if you if you want to do that, um, I will also be at um, Lexington Comic Con September 9th through the 12th. Actually, Dragon Con before that, September 4th in Atlanta that weekend. Tom Welling and I will be together. Then uh, Lexington September 9th, and then West Virginia September 24th. 
uh very excited about these very excited about the cons um hopefully um i'll see you there we occasionally do this smallville nights thing so you better get your tickets and uh ryan you got anything going on uh not at the moment i went to the den- <laughs> I went to the dentist today That's you all. did i just yeah. went to the dentist too what did the dentist do to you jesus just uh poked around i had to do x-rays oh it kind of hurts i actually i have a really really bad gag reflex and um a strong gag reflex. i have a strong gag reflex and so when they when he was moving the thing around with the x-rays i vomited a little you did i did in your mouth nope so you vomited outside of your mouth and went oops and i caught it was he were you embarrassed yep but he but he just kept going he's like yeah it happens he just gave me some paper towels and oh my god i've never done that before you I, threw I, up in your hand i come so close every time and today it actually happened. ryan threw up in his hand folks i threw up in my hand please give him shit you could uh, reach him <laughs> on twitter instagram Ugh. all that stuff but guys thank you for uh supporting the podcast thank you for listening the handles are at inside you podcast on instagram and uh facebook at inside you pod mm-hmm. on twitter uh please subscribe uh, it really helps. And if you write a review, it really helps a lot. And I hope you spread the word as much as you can. All right. Now it's time that uh, at the end of every show, I read uh, the top tier patrons. So the, these guys are on Patreon, patreon.com slash inside of you. These are the top tiers. They they give the most. And uh, I read their names off. And uh, Ryan has memorized quite a few of them. Here we go. Nancy. <laughs> D. Leah. S. Trisha, F, Sarah, V, Little, Lisa, U, Kiko, Jill, E, Brian, H, Lauren, G, Nico, P, Jerry, W, Robert, uh, B, Jason, W, Papa, Theon, Kristen, K, Amelia, O, Wow, Allison, L, Raj, C, Joshua, D, 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 D. Emily, uh, Emily S, Yes, CJ, P, Samantha, M, Jennifer, N. Stacy, uh, H L L, Carly, Carly H, Jen, uh, S F, Jamal F. I, I, I I'm the, amazed. I'm remembering the ones that come after before. Yeah, weird. Janelle huh. B, Carrie, um, Washington. No, Carrie B, Carrie B, Tabitha two seventy two. Not to be confused with Tabitha two seventy three. Kimberly L E E, Mike uh E. Eldon Supremo 99 more Ruh. Mira Santiago F M M Sarah V F F Chad uh, W Leanne P Janine um, you're pretty amazing I don't know Janine Janine R Ray A Maya P Maddie S Shannon D Matt W Belinda N Kevin V James R Chris H Dave H Samantha S Spider-Man Chase Sheila G Brad D, Ray H, Tap the T, Tom N, Suzanne B, Liliana A, Michelle K, Hannah B, Michael S, Talia M, Betsy D, Claire M, Liz J, Laura L, Chad L, Rachel or Rochelle, Nathan E, Marion, Meg K, Janelle P, Trav L, Dan N, Diane R, O, uh, Ajeta. 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 Lorraine G, Veronica K, Big Stevie W, Kendall T, Carol D. Then we got Sandy B, Angel M, Eric C, Rhiannon C, Stephen M, Corey K, Super Sam, Emily C, Sherry S, Coleman G, Dev Nexon, Michelle A, Liz L, Jeremy C, Andy T, Cody R, Chris E, Sebastian K, Gavinator, and H, Elliot M, John B, Brandy D, Yavor, and Bano, or Bano, B-A-N-O. B-A-N-O. Isn't that Bano? 
There's no tilde over the N? No. Hmm. That would be bathroom then, wouldn't it? No, it would be bathroom. So it has to be Bano. <laughs> Bano, Bano. Could Maybe be, it's um, Bano. Is it Bano, guys? Bano. Uh, thank you for listening. It's always a treat having you here. And um, it means the world to me that you guys continue to listen. And hopefully you'll continue to listen. Uh, from Michael Rosenbaum here in the Hollywood Hills. Uh, I'm also Ryan Tails. Say goodbye on that camera right up there, Ryan. Let me just give a little wave. And uh, thank you for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. I hope you have a wonderful week. And spread the word. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.